Bookshelf Battlecast, episode 002, The Cask of Amontillado, by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh yeah, it's the Bookshelf Q Battler Show. Bookshelf Q Battler Show. What's up everybody? You're listening to the Bookshelf Battlecast with your host, Bookshelf Q Battler. A world-renowned punk dexter and accomplished nerd venturer. A reviewer of pop cultural happenings and a champion and Yeti fighter. He's coming to you from fabulous East Random Town, USA, and he's ready to pull a dusty old public domain book off of his magic bookshelf and read it to you. But first, here's not a celebrity to introduce the one and only Bookshelf. Q Battler. Hello, this is not Morgan Freeman. Nope, not Morgan Freeman at all. I remember the day that giant dwee bookshelf Q Battler walked out of my life for good. In fact, I remember that day fondly, because I couldn't wait for that nerd to leave. He always ran up a high tap and mysteriously disappeared whenever the check came. What an asshole. Plus, whenever he got drunk, it sing loud and right in my ear. To this day, I have no idea what that douchebag was singing about. Maybe it was something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words, and it makes your heart ache because of it. But honestly, it was probably some random shit he made up while he was pinching a loaf on the can. Do you know it's not too late to turn off this podcast? Oh, well, you've been warned. Um, you know, it dawns on me that's an awful lot of swearing for a literary blog. Um, I'm not sure that the, I mean, I don't want to stereotype or, you know, um, presuppose people or assume things, but I wonder if people who enjoy fine literature are going to be the same kind of people who would laugh at, um, you know, an impression of Morgan Freeman saying naughty words. But, um, you know what? As it so happens, I'm the type of person who enjoys fine literature and also uh, laughs at uh, an impression of Morgan Freeman um, in his uh, in his wonderful voice um, saying naughty words. So maybe maybe there's more of me out there. If, if you're a person like me who enjoys both of those worlds why don't you go ahead and tweet me at bookshelf battle on twitter find me on facebook at bookshelf q battler and again my illustrious blog is bookshelfbattle.com I, I i don't know it's like it's like i'm hawking everything everything must go my prices are insane so while i'm hawking everything i'll also mention i have a book bookshelf q battlers big book of badass writing prompts 101 scintillating scenarios to stimulate your cranial cranial excretions head on over to amazon just do a search for bookshelf q you should find it um you know it's 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 a funny book it it'll uh it'll give you some ideas to get your pencils scribbling if you're suffering from writer's block so it's February 2nd, um, I am, you know, I left episode 1 to the last minute, January 31st, got it in just under the gun. So this month, February, I am trying to get ahead on things. I, you know, I hate February because it's like, you're already surprised the new year is here and then now we're already... You know, we're already down one month of our new year, and 
life just uh, keeps on moving, keeps on trucking. You know, when I was a kid, I loved that uh, movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop around once in a while, you might miss it. I didn't quite appreciate the gravity of what Ferris was saying, but uh, now that I'm getting older, I do appreciate it. And uh, if any uh, young folks with uh, more time in their uh, ahead of them than behind them, um, you know, make the most of it now because uh, when you get up there, um, opportunities for fun and mirth and merriment are fewer and fewer and far between. Well, didn't that just put a damper on things? Let's talk about happier things. It's Super Bowl. Is this weekend raw hey sports go sports team rooting for the sports match to do a lot of sportsing? May uh, your preferred team in your geographic location score a, a number of points greater than the team from the opposing geographic location? Uh, I, I, you know, in case you didn't guess it I don't know much about sports I mean I follow it a little bit but you know I'm like I've got too much to do to figure out all the plays and stats and what player does what and I don't know I mean I, I you know I give it to him I, I you know I you know if I could get in a time machine when I was in high school I thought you know uh jocks were dumb and uh well, that's debatable. Some are, some aren't. But that's, you know, every group, really. But I just thought, you know, all those those people playing sports, they're wasting their time. They should be studying and uh, getting good grades. And I, I don't know. I think, um, you know, I think I'm paying the price a little bit health-wise now as I get older. So, um, you know, the best advice I could give to younger people is getting a sport, uh start running around, train your body while you're young, and you can bounce back, and, you know, you can run for a bunch of miles, and then, you know, shake it right off, and feel great right after, because uh, the older you get, the harder it is to, uh, you know, lose weight, and take care of yourself, and all that good stuff, so, something beeped on my computer, or my phone, or maybe it's the Maybe it's a secret um, CIA squad uh, uh, listening in on the bookshelf battle cast. Anyway, um, so I, it's the Patriots versus the Eagles. Both, uh, you know, the American Eagle and, you know, the Patriots. Uh, two very American-sounding teams. So if you've got a preference, uh, let me know. Tweet me. Find me on Facebook. Put a comment on my blog. Let me know who you're rooting for. Uh, what else? What else? Checking my notes. Checking my notes. What else do I have to tell you fine people? Hashtag Fridays with BQB. You're going to want to go on to Twittersphere. You're going to want to check that out. Hashtag Fridays with BQB. You heard of the book. Tuesdays. With Maury by Mitch Album, which, by the way, is a great book, very inspiring. Um, go pick up a copy if you haven't already. 
You know, if you ever feel like, oh, I got so many problems, I'm so sad. Uh, Maury, the you know the title person in in, in the book, he uh, he had a lot of reasons to be sad, but yeah, he didn't get all his he didn't let his terminal illness get him down. So if Maury can keep a happy face, uh, the rest of us can too. Put on a happy face, as the song goes. What is it? Gray skies are gonna clear up. Put on a happy face. I am. I'm an excellent singer. So, um, you know, it's funny. I say all these points, and then I take de- I take a wrong detour. I take a wrong detour at Albuquerque, as Bugs Bunny used to say. But uh, I'm veering back on track now. So uh, Tuesday with Maury, great book, and I I kind of bogarted the that um, title a little bit. Fridays for BQB, but don't worry, uh, I don't have a terminal illness as far as I know. If I do, I don't want to know. Um, it's an author interview series. It's mostly self-publishing authors, but honestly, uh, a traditional publisher. Uh, wanted to be interviewed by me, I wouldn't turn them down. And I'm not, you know, pitting self-publishing against uh, traditional authors either. Or it's just, I'm I'm starting a burgeoning self-publishing business. Like I said, I have the one book out. And that book earned me a whopping 12 cents last month. I was able to put some extra cheese on my taco with that extra 12 cents. So thank you to whoever... I don't know, uh, read my book and got me that extra 12 cents. Um, you're really uh, adding some Boku cents to my bank account. So thank you, noble reader of Bookshelf Q Battlers, badass writing prompts. Uh, veering back this freight train of silliness on topic. Um, so yes, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not, you know, putting traditional versus self-publishing against each other, but just I tend to interview more self-publishing authors because I want to know how they're doing and how are they uh, being successful, what are their secrets, what are their tricks, what are their trades, what are their skills, how are they getting it done. I want some of their magic fairy dust to be sprinkled off of them and to be rubbed all over my face so that I too can be a successful self-publisher because that's the dream I want to write all day and um, so there you go so hashtag Fridays with BQB if you're a fan of Caverns and Creatures uh, series by Robert Beaven um, you can find him on Twitter at Robert Beaven B-E-V-A-N 77 at um Boy, I got a, a rocks in my head. Uh, at the at comes first. Uh, at Robert Beaven seventy seven. That's his Twitter handle. Uh, you can probably just do a, a Google search for caverns and caverns and creatures. Um, it's basically. Uh, I hope I do the explanation justice, but it's uh, fantasy role playing game nerds. Uh, find themselves, they they wake up in their uh, favorite fantasy role-playing game and they have to fight all sorts of nasty creatures and there's all sorts of uh, funny, funny, naughty, naughty humor 
which I like. Um, so there you go. So I interviewed Robert Beaven, and he gave me a few uh, tips and tricks of the trade in the very first interview with Fridays at BQB, so go check that out. Um, you find the interview on bookshelfbattle.com. All right, so you have uh, wasted enough of your time listening to this, and if you're listening to this, I assume um, you know you're some type of shut-in. Maybe you had an accident. Um, maybe things aren't so going well in your life, uh, and uh, you know you're cooped up in your house. Um, you can't get out, so you have to. You know you've listened to all the good stuff on Netflix. I'm sorry, you've watched all the good stuff on Netflix. You've streamed all the good stuff. You've listened to all the good podcasts. You've rented all the good movies. Seen all the good TV. And um, you're still bored out of your mind, so you're you're listening to the the bottom of the barrel here, the bookshelf battlecast. But you know I know I sound self-deprecating and I'm like I'm down on myself, but. Uh, you know, every person starts from somewhere, and I'm starting from the bottom, and I'm going to work my way up from the top. I bet with enough practice a year from now, these early shows where I'm going um and on, I sound like a, a, a piece of doggy doo-doo. Um, I'll be laughing, and by a year from now, I'll be like a suave, sophisticated announcer. Um, and if you believe that, I have a virgin... Brooklyn, I'd like to sell you. Alright. So, without further ado, uh, I'm going to read to you The Cask of Amontillado by Edgar Allan Poe. Now, I, I like Edgar Allan Poe. He is, he is a great writer. One of the early horror writers. I mean, someone more well-versed in literary history could tell you better than I, but as far as I know, he's one of the first, if not the first, but at least one of the first major horror writers who really defined the horror genre and really added suspense and, uh, and, uh, you know, really played with his readers' minds. Um, so he was, he, he was an interesting, uh, an interesting cat himself. Um, died mysteriously in a park bench, I believe. There was a movie a few years ago, and it really didn't get as much play as it deserved. It was called The Raven. Starred John Cusack as Edgar Allan Poe, and there was some sort of mystery that, uh, you know, it was, it was, I guess it was, fic it was fictional, but it was, it was a good movie, and I don't know, I liked it, but it didn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, play, so you want a good movie to watch, go Google uh, The Raven, starring John Cusack. So, um, you know, it's usually uh, relaxing to pour yourself a nice glass of wine, a nice Merlot, a nice Cabernet, a nice Sauvignon Blanc. But uh, wine in this story is anything but relaxing. So without further ado, I will stop um, all my nonsense. You've had to listen to me for too long now. And I shall read The Cask of Amontillado by Edgar Allan Poe. <clears throat> me, 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 me. 
The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could, but when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. You, who so well know the nature of my soul, will not suppose, however, that I gave utterance to a threat. At length I would be avenged. This was a point definitely settled, but the very def definitiveness with which it was resolved precluded the idea of risk. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. A wrong is unredressed when retribution over overtakes its redresser. It is equally unredressed when the avenger fails to make himself felt as such to him who has done the wrong. Sorry, you're probably going to hear my pages flutter around. It must be understood that neither by word nor deed had I given Fortunato cause to doubt my goodwill. I continued, as was my wont, to smile in his face, and he did not perceive that my smile now was the thought of his emulation. He had a weak point, this Fortunato, although in other regards he was a man to be respected and even feared. He prided himself on his connoisseurship in wine. Few Italians have the true virtuoso spirit. For the most part, their enthusiasm is adopted to suit the time and opportunity to practice imposture upon the British and Austrian millionaires. In painting and gemmery, Fortunato, like his countrymen, was a quack. But in the matter of old wines, he was sincere. In this respect, I did not differ from him materially. I was skillful in the Italian vintages myself, and bought, and bought largely whenever I could. <laughs> it was about dusk, one evening during the supreme madness of the carnival season, that I encountered my friend. He accosted me with excessive warmth, for he had been drinking much. The man wore motley. He had on a tight-fitting par par party-striped dress, and his head was surmounted by the conical cap and bells. I was so pleased to see him that I thought I should never have done wringing his hand. I said to him, My dear Fortunato, you are luckily met. How remarkably well you are looking today, but I have received a pipe of what passes for Amontillado, and I have many my doubts. How, said he, Amontillado, a pipe? Impossible, and in the middle of the carnival. I have my doubts, I replied, and I was silly enough to pay the full Amontillado price without consulting you in the matter. You were not to be found, and I was fearful of losing a bargain. Amontillado? I have my doubts. Amontillado! And I must satisfy them. Amontillado! As you are engaged, I am on my way to a crazy. If any one has a critical turn, it is he. He will tell me. Ah! Lucchese cannot tell Amontillado from Sherry. And yet some fools will have it that his taste is a match for your own. Come, let us go! Whither? To your vaults. My friend, no, I will not impose upon your good nature. I perceive you have an engagement. Lucchese, I have no engagement. Come. My friend, no. It is not the engagement, but the severe cold with which I perceive you are afflicted. The vaults are insufferably damp. They are, they are encrusted with nitre. 
Let us go, nevertheless. The cold is merely nothing, Amontillado. You have been imposed upon, and as for Lucchese, he cannot distinguish Sherry from Amontillado. Thus speaking, Fortunato possessed himself of my arm, putting on a mask of black silk and drawing a air closely about my person. I suffered him to hurry me to my palazzo. There were no attendants at home. They had absconded to make merry in honor of the time. I had told them that I should not return until the morning, and I had given them explicit orders not to stir from the house. Those orders were sufficient, I well knew, to ensure their immediate disappearance, one and all, as soon as my back was turned. I took from their two sconces two flambeaux, and giving one to Fortunato, bowed him through several suites of rooms to the archway that led into the walls. I passed down a long and winding staircase, requesting him to be cautious as he followed. We came at length to the foot of the descent and stood together on the damp ground of the catacombs of the Montresors. The gait of my friend was unsteady, and the bells upon his cap jingled as he strode. The pipe, said he, it is farther on, said I. But observe the white webwork which gleams from these cavern walls. He turned towards me and looked into my eyes with two filmy orbs that distilled the room of intoxication. Nitre? he asked at length. Nitre, I replied. How long have you had that cough? Hug, 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 hug. My poor friend, it is impossible to reply for many minutes. It is nothing, he said at last. Come, I said with decision, we will go back. Your health is precious. You are rich, respected, admired, beloved. You are happy as I once was. You are a man to be missed. For me, it is no matter. We will go back. You will be ill, and I cannot be responsible. Besides, there is Lucchese. Enough, he said. The cough is a mere nothing. It will not kill me, I will not die of a cough. True, true, I replied, and I, indeed I had no intention of alarming you unnecessarily. But you should use all proper caution. A draught of this mid-oak will defend us from the damps. Here I knocked off the neck of a bottle which I drew from a long row of its fellows that laid upon the mold. Drink, I said, presenting him the wine. He raised it to his lips with a leer. He paused and nodded to me familiarly. Well, his bells jingled. I drink, he said, to the buried that repose around us, and I to your long life. He again took my arm, and we proceeded. These vaults, he said, are extensive. The Montresors, I replied, were a great and numerous family. I forgot your arms. A huge human foot to your, and in a field azure, the foot crushes a serpent, rampant, whose fangs are embedded in the heel. And the motto? Nemo me impuni lassicit. Good, he said. The wine sparkled in his eyes and the bells jingled. My own fancy grew warm with the madoke. We had passed through walls of piled bones, with casks and puncheons intermingling. Into the inmost recesses of catacombs I paused again, and this time I made bold to seize Fortunato by an arm above the elbow. The nitre, I said, see, it increases, it hangs like moss upon the vaults. We are below the river's bed. 
The drops of moisture trickle among the bones. Come, we will go back ere it is too late, Jerkoff. It is nothing, he said. Let us go. Go on. But first, another draft of the Madou. I broke and reached him a flagon of Degave. He emptied it with a breath. His eyes flashed with a fierce light. He laughed and threw the bottle upwards with a gesticulation I did not understand. I looked at him in surprise. He repeated the movement, a grotesque one. You do not comprehend, he said. Not I. Then you are not in the Brotherhood. How? You are not of the Masons. Yes, yes, I said. Yes, yes. You impossible a mason? A mason, I replied. A sign, he said, a sign. It is this, I answered, producing a trowel from beneath the folds of my roquelaire. You jest, he exclaimed, recoiling a few paces, but let us proceed to the Amontillado. Be it so, I said, replacing the tool beneath the cloak, and again offering him my arm. He leaned upon it heavily. We continued our route in search of the Amontillado. We passed through a range of low arches, descended, passed on. And descending again, arrived at a deep crypt in which the foulness of the air caused our flambeau rather to grow than flame. As the most remote end of the crypt there appeared, another less spacious. Its walls had been lined with human remains piled to the vault overhead. In the fashion of the great catacombs of Paris, three sides of this interior crypt were still ornamented in this manner. From the fourth side the bones had been thrown down and lay promiscuously upon the earth, forming at one point a mound of some size. Within the wall, thus exposed by the displacing of the bones, we perceived a still interior recess in depth about four feet in width three and height six or seven it seemed to have been constructed for no especial use within itself but formed merely the interval between two of the colossal supports of the roof of the catacombs and was backed by one of their circumscribing walls of solid granite it was in vain that fortunato uplifting his dull torch endeavored to pry into the depths of the recess its termination the feeble light did not enable us to see. Proceed, I said, herein is the Amontillado. As for Lucchese, he is an ignoramus, interrupted my friend, as he stepped unsteadily forward while I followed immediately at his heels. In an instant he had reached the extremity of the niche, and finding his progress arrested by the rock, stood stupidly bewildered. A moment more, and I had fettered him to the granite, in its surface were two iron staples distant from each other or about two feet horizontally. From one of these depended the short chain, from other a padlock. Throwing the links about his waist, it was but the work of a few seconds to secure it. He was too much astounded to resist. Withdrawing the key, I stepped back from the recess. Pass your hand, I said. Over the wall, you cannot help feeling the nitre. Indeed, it is very damp. Once more, let me implore you to return. No? Then I must positively leave you. But I must first render you all the little tensions in my power. The Amontillado ejaculated my friend, not yet recovered from his astonishment. True, I replied, the Amontillado. 
As I said these words, I busied myself among the pile of bones which I have before spoken. Throwing them aside, I soon uncovered a quantity of building stone and mortar. With these materials and with the aid of my trowel, I began vigorously to wall up the entrance of the niche. I had scarcely laid the first tier of the masonry when I discovered that the intoxication of Fortunato had in a great measure worn off. The earliest indication I had of this was a low moaning cry from the depth of the recess. It was not the cry of a drunken man. There was then a long and obstinate silence. I sat, I laid the second tier, and the third, and the fourth, and then I heard the furious vibrations of the chain. The noise lasted for several minutes, during which that I might hearken to it with the more satisfaction. I ceased my labors and sat down upon the bones, when at last the clanking subsided. I resumed the trowel, and finished without interruption the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh tier. The wall was now nearly upon a level with my breast. I again paused, and holding the flambeau of the mason work, threw a few feeble rays upon the figure within. A succession of loud and shrill screams bursting suddenly from the throat of the chained form seemed to thrust me violently back. For a brief moment I hesitated, I trembled, and unsheathing my rapier, I began to grope with it about the recess. But the thought of an instant reassured me. I placed my hand upon the solid fabric of the catacombs and felt satisfied. I reapproached the wall, I replied to the yells of him who clamored. I re-echoed, I aided, I surpassed them in volume and strength. I did this and the clamorer grew still. It was now midnight and my task was drawn to a close. I had completed the eighth, the ninth, the tenth tier. I had finished a portion of the last and the eleventh. There remained but a single stone to be fitted and plastered in. I struggled with its weight, I placed it partially in its destined position, but now there came from out the niche a low laugh that erected the hairs upon my head. It was succeeded by a sad voice which I had difficulty in recognizing as that of the noble Fortunato. The voice said, Ha ha ha! He he he! A very good joke indeed, an excellent jest. We shall have many a rich laugh about it at the palazzo. He he he! Over our wine. He he he! The Amontillado, I said. He, he, he. He, he, he. Yes, the Amontillado. But is it not getting late? Will not they be waiting us at the Palazzo, the Lady Fortunato and the rest? Let us be gone. Yes, I said. Let us be gone. For the love of God, Montresor. Yes, I said. For the love of God. But to these words I hearkened in vain for a reply. I grew impatient. I called aloud, Fortunato! Fortunato! No answer still. I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture and let it fall within. There came forth in reply only a jingling of the bells. My heart grew sick on account of the dampness of the catacombs. I hastened to make an end of my labor. I forced the last stone into its position. I plastered it up against the new masonry. I re-erected I re the old rampart of bones. For the half of a century, no mortal has disturbed them. In passe, 
request yet. Wow. What do you think, 3.5 listeners? Shameless promotion. Tweet me at Bookshelf Battle. Find me on Facebook at Bookshelf Q Battle or tell me what you think. Here's what I think. Montresor is a stone-cold baller pimp bastard. Um, he is a cat that you do not want to mess with. You, you know what? Definitely a good rule of life. Um, just uh, stay in your lane. Slow your roll. Don't talk trash. Uh, don't start none. There won't be none. Um, don't put down or insult or be rude to anyone. But especially don't cross a cat like Montresor. Um, we're never really given the specifics what, um, Fortunato said that pissed off Montresor. Um, we generally get an idea that, um, Fortunato is a bit of a, of a jerk. He's, he's rich, but, um, you know, he's, he's a drunkard. He's prideful. He thinks he's the best. Uh, wine connoisseur. Um, Poe puts him in it as sort of a fool's motley, that, that cap with the jingly bells that fools wore. So he's sort of setting it up in, into your eyes that he's he's kind of, he's you know he's kind of a schmuck. He's kind of a you know um, someone who thinks he's important, and maybe he is, but he's he's you know kind of a, a doofus, and. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of interesting foreshadowing where, um, you know, um, Fortunato doesn't really know what's coming his way, but Poe sneaks, you know, sneaks in all these clues to let you know that something's up. You know, it starts. Um, you know, Montresor tells you the reader that um, you know he's he's basically you know he's got a plan. He's been slighted too many times by Fortunato, and he's got to get his revenge. And he's, you know, the best revenge in Montresor's mind is to get it without um, anything, any kind of blowback. You know, if 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 um, Montresor has to go to jail or be punished for uh, getting his revenge, then he doesn't consider that. A good revenge, and also, um, the 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 person he seeks vengeance on, Fortunato, has to know that Montresor was the one that did him in. You know, he wants he wants Fortunato to suffer. He wants Fortunato to know um, the pain that he caused Montresor, and maybe to make him feel in his last moments. You know, oh, if I had only been nicer to Montresor. You know, I wouldn't be uh, getting walled into this uh, tomb while I'm still alive. Um, so I think it would have been interesting to have known, you know, what was the slight. Um, but I, you know, I, I mean, that's the other rub of this. You know, we, we have to be nicer to each other and we have to. You know, um, as as Jesus, I mean, you know, whether you're religious or not, you know, Jesus still had a lot of good lessons, and one of them was turn the other cheek. And, um, you know, 
every little slight. Sometimes when somebody insults you and they're rude to you and they're mean to you, it's less about you and more about them. They're trying to make themselves feel better because they weren't happy with their lives. So they're trying to put you down to, to build themselves up. You know, if they can say something bad about you, that makes them feel better. Makes them feel more important. So, um, you know, as they say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So if, um, you know, as you see in the start of the story, Fortunato still considers Montresor a friend. So I, I can't imagine, you know, anything said, you know, I mean, words can definitely hurt our feelings, but, you know, I just can't imagine anything verbally said that could um, merit walling someone up and just leaving them to die and to just rot while they're still alive and in a catacomb. So, um, you know, Matrasaur is, you know, he's a, he's a little too prideful. Um, whatever, whatever Fortunato did to cross him, you know, um, I can't imagine it was, it, it, it was, um, meriting that level of revenge. Um, you know, if only Fortunato and Montresor lived in, uh, modern times, maybe they could seek a, uh, counselor to, uh, talk about their problems with each other, but, um, so I think, I, you know, I don't know if that's what um, Poe intended, but I just, you know, I see that angle in there that, um, um, you know, as they say, if you want revenge, dig two graves because, you know, you, you'll do the person that did you wrong in, but, you you know, you're going to bring your own life down. You're going to destroy yourself. And, you know, that's a common theme in, in movies and books, you know, a character seeks revenge and it doesn't really, um, do anything to help. Although, I guess, um, Matrasaur seems pretty happy with it. Um, you know, he says, uh, he says the Latin for rest in peace. And at the end he says, so this is basically, this whole story is Matrasaur's confession letter as an old man, like 50 years later, um, no one caught him, and now he's, you know, I, I imagine Montresor's an old man ready to kick the bucket. So, so Montresor is a cold, calculating, like, uh, you know, early days killer. Um, he, you know, he, he thought out this methodical plan. He packed Fortunato into the wall, let him rot, let the poor guy suffer, you know, walled off basically buried alive um and then he didn't get caught and then 50 years later now he wants to know wants the world to know i guess what a what a maniacal genius he was he's you know so he enjoyed montresor enjoyed his life he enjoyed his secret knowing that he got the best of um Fortunato, and now that he's an old, now that Montresor is an old man, and, you know, you can put him in jail, but what the heck, he's probably going to die soon of old age, so he doesn't care, he's confessing, and now he's telling the whole world what he, what he did, because he's really proud of it, 
Um, I mean, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of fore, foreshadowing. You know, things like um, Montasaurus trying to tell Fortunato, oh, go back, go back, you're sick, you're, you know, something's wrong with you, and you know, that's that's probably lulling Fortunato into a uh, false sense of security, like, you know, oh, there must be nothing wrong here, because, you know, he's telling me to go back so many times, you know, he, he's worried about my, my well-being, he, maybe he doesn't want me here, you know, so, surely there's nothing that he's going to do, because he's, you know, he's, he's trying to get rid of me, he's trying to get me out of his, out of his tomb, and, um, you know, things like, you know, he shows... He shows Fortunato the trowel, and there's sort of a double meaning there, like, um, Fortunato's basically like, well, Montresor is not good enough to be a, you know, a mason like I am, and, uh, but there's a double meaning there, like, Fortunato took it like, uh, oh, that's like a, you know, you didn't really get that trowel because you're a mason, you just probably bought it somewhere. And the other meaning is, uh, no, uh, Montresor is bringing that travel to wall you up into the wall. Um, and Montresor also takes advantage of Fortunato's pride. He's like, oh, you know, Fortunato, you're busy. You got the carnival. You're, you know, you're not feeling well. You got a cold and you're, you're partying and have a good, good time at the party. So I'm not gonna impose on you. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get your rival wine taster, uh, Lucchese, to to check on this wine to see if it's the real deal, um, and 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 that makes Fortunato mad. He's you know it's like an insult to my pride. I gotta go into the tombs now because I gotta prove that I'm the best wine taster. I'm way better than Lucchese. So there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of. I mean, it's definitely a good, uh, methodical, well-plotted-out story. Um, just the sheer horror factor of being buried alive, like, you know, to be walled up and claustrophobic and, um, to know that you're gonna die, but, you know, you still got some time in there, and, um, you know, to just be left there to, to rot. I mean, that's got to be pretty awful. Um, so so Poe's definitely um, scaring scaring the poop out of us there. And, um, you know, a lot of themes. Um, you know, is revenge a good thing? I don't, I think. You know, if you look at a lot of history and a lot of stories on the news and everything, um, revenge usually just doesn't, bode too well for the, uh, person seeking the revenge, and, um, you know, you might have lost something, or you might have been hurt in some way, but, um, you know, going after the person that hurt you usually just, you know, isn't gonna replace or fix what, what was hurt, just, um, drags you down to their level, but, um, I don't know, I guess in this case, Montresor, you know, it's funny, the, the other thing, the, um, the Montresor coat of arms, it's a, it's a, what was it, it was like a foot, it was a foot, and there was a serpent with the teeth in the foot, and then the foot's crushing the serpent, so it's like, 
If you bite me, I'm gonna crush you. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a wishy-washy wimp. I just um, I don't know. Maybe I, I think I think the young definitely uh, seek revenge more, and the old people. Uh, not that I'm old yet. I'm not. You know, don't don't throw the dirt on me yet. Don't pack me into the catacombs yet. Um. I'm not that old. Um, but, but you know, the older you get, you kind of realize that um, maybe if somebody's being a jerk, it, you know, maybe there's, maybe maybe the revenge is that, you know, their, their, their life must really suck that they're acting so jerky and being so mean to you that they don't know any manners and that they... You know, they have so little going on in their lives that they have to uh, crap on you to make themselves feel better, you know. Um, just take that crap and dust it off and um, know that your life is better and their sucks. And, you know, don't lower yourself to um, their level. Alright, well that's all I have to say about the cask of Amontillado. Um... If you sat through this whole podcast listening to the whole thing, I thank you. Again, I can't imagine why you would have. Uh, but maybe that's me being uh, too down on myself. Um, if you liked it, um, let me know. If you didn't like it, let me know too. Let me know how I can improve. I guess at this early stage in the game, I'm just kind of working on my speaking skills and I'm hoping that practice makes perfect. I know I, I'm not the best public speaker. I got a lot of ums and ahs and pauses and I lose my train of thought and all that. Um, but I am working on it and hopefully in a year or two, um, if I do this steadily enough, I hope um, I'll get better because I certainly couldn't get any worse. All right. That's it. Bye for now. Uh, take care. See you later. Sayonara. This is Bookshelf Q Battler headed back into the deep recesses of Bookshelf Q Battler headquarters to um, figure out how I'm going to save the world uh, with my advisor, Alien Jones, and a space traveler from uh, deep, deep intergalactic space. Um, until next time, be cool, be awesome, read a book. In a world where you could have listened to any podcast, literally any podcast at all, you chose to listen to the Bookshelf Battlecast instead. What were you thinking? What are you, a shut-in with too much time on your hands or something? I mean, seriously, there wasn't a nice wall with a fresh coat of paint drying on it that you could have watched instead? Oh well, screw it. It's your time. You wasted however you like. If you actually enjoyed listening to BQB's nonsense, then you're in luck. This summer and all year round, you can check out BookshelfBattle.com, where it's one nerd against the forces of evil. Read on as Bookshelf Q Battler, a world-renowned Poindexter, 
an epic nerdventurer, a reviewer of pop culture happenings, and a champion Yeti fighter uses his ultra-manly kung fu skills against zombies, vampires, werewolves, chupacabras, and, yes, even ill-tempered hipsters. Bookshelf Q Battler is such a macho bastard that he can grate cheese with his chest hair. Women want to be with Bookshelf Q Battler. Men want to be Bookshelf Q Battler. And I'm not just saying that because Bookshelf Q Battler paid me. Seriously, I really want to be him. Please pray for me. Visit bookshelfbattle.com today.